G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Thursday afternoon and thank God we have some relevant basketball to talk about. The NBA has seen two days of action and we've pretty much watched every team play. I think there's a couple, the Bucks and the Rockets are two that jumped to mind and the Warriors that haven't played yet, but... Relevant NBA basketball is back. There's a little bit to talk about from an NFL and AFL perspective, but the AFL especially is in a little bit of a lull. So I'm going to try and squash the three sports together and talk about the five most pressing things happening at the moment. First cab off the rank, I'm going to talk about Kyrie Irving. He had an unreal game in his first game as a Brooklyn Net. Got pretty emotional when he was introduced, and then at the end of the game when he missed the potentially game-winning shot, was uh, tearing up a bit. So Kyrie's originally, well, was born in Australia, but grew up and spent most of his childhood in Brooklyn, and maybe he'll finally be happy back in Brooklyn. He's gone through a pretty tumultuous couple of years. It looked like a trade to Brooklyn uh, to Boston was going to work out for him, and then that didn't exactly happen. And now he lands at a Nets team that looks pretty interesting. I don't know if they're going to do a hell of a lot without KD this year. He got some help from guys like Levert, Torian Prince, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, but they really lack KD's uh, extra scoring punch. And with that, be interesting to see what they can achieve in the future. But without KD, Kyrie took it up to the uh, Timberwolves, dropped 50 points in his first game as a Brooklyn Net. It was the most ever scored by a player on debut for a new team. So pretty impressive stuff from Kyrie. Made a lot of threes, made some of those tough buckets that we all know and love Kyrie for. So he might be able to drag Brooklyn into the playoffs single-handedly if he keeps playing like this. And it'll be interesting to see if he does go with this Cavalier one-man army approach, how it rubs off on the rest of his teammates and how far it takes the Brooklyn Nets in 2019-2020. One bloke who will not be playing much in 2020 in the AFL is Zach Clark. Second thing I want to talk about is a couple of list changes with the Bombers delisting the former Docker slash Don's big man. Wasn't really surprising, let's be honest. Essendon traded for Andrew Phillips in the trade period and as a result... They don't really need too much tall timber on their list. I don't love their ruck rotation, I'll be honest. Tommy Bellchambers is fine, but maybe the Sam Draper kid who suffered an ACL this past season, maybe he develops into their future option, but it was pretty clear that Zach Clark was not their future option. He went with a couple of other players, along with Tom Jock, who got to make his AFL debut in the last regular season game of the year on Friday night against the Pies. But apart from that, there wasn't really any other relevant names delisted. But Zach Clark, at the age of 30, he played okay throughout the year. Probably not enough to warrant much AFL attention, but you never know. He could provide some stability and be one of the blokes who's picked up in one of these mid-season drafts or if they somehow keep tweaking the list potential, they might be able to, an AFL team might be able to snap up Zach Clark, but it seems destined to return back to state league level and probably won't be finding a new AFL contract. Turning my attention back to the basketball, the third thing I'm going to discuss is another point guard who has had a lot of eyes on him tonight, and that was Markel Fultz. Showed plenty of promise. I got to watch sporadically most of the Cavs' magic game. I won't talk about it from a Cleveland perspective. It wasn't a hell of a lot to get excited about, but Fultz was all right. He scored in bunches, and there was a period where he scored, I think, eight points maybe in the first quarter or pretty in pretty quick succession, but all these baskets and buckets he was getting were close to the rim. He wasn't taking a lot of jumpers, and he did take one jump shot outside the keyway that went in and looked pretty impressive, but 
He missed his other five shots outside the key, and they didn't look great. There was one late in the fourth quarter where the game was pretty much decided, but he pulled up, and that little hitch in his jump shot was still there. So, I don't know. If he does figure that out, and because there were times where he shot the ball without a hitch, it must be a bit of a mental thing still plaguing Fultz's production, but he was all right. Scored 12 points, had a couple of nice dimes, looked fine, but it was good to see him back out there for the Magic and at least doing something, but... I do wonder how far this Orlando team can go if he still has that suspect jumper. If he manages to put it all together and starts to build some momentum in his game and everything meshes and he clicks as Orlando's starting point guard, these guys could be a team that climbs pretty quickly. I've said multiple times throughout the preseason that they're pretty well built. They could make a move for a big star. They've got a couple of enticing veterans and contracts that they could maybe deal away, but... Markel Fultz's production, if he can lift a little, that'll definitely turn the Orlando Magic into a team that's worth watching. Fourth thing I want to talk about is some NFL trade action. We're less than a week away until the NFL trade deadline, and in the last few days since week seven games concluded, we've seen a few moves. The biggest known the biggest and most noteworthy moves involved a couple of wide receivers. Firstly, the New England Patriots traded a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, the former Atlanta Falcon, who has shown a couple of times that he can be used in trick plays and has a pretty decent arm. So, nice get for the Patriots. Their receiving core was crying out for some more help. And a second-round pick is a lot to give up for a player. And it seems like a lot of teams are being more aggressive on the front foot and giving up higher picks to secure some talent that will really assist them, especially in the Patriots' uh, circumstances, to go on a Super Bowl push. But really, for the Pats, it is a second-round pick, but they're going to be one of, if not the last team standing, probably this year. So that second-round pick is virtually a third-rounder, considering it'll be in the 60s. So not a bad pick to give up for Mohamed Sanu, and pretty good timing, because Josh Gordon... One of their main weapons has been sent to the injury reserve list, which means he'll be out for at least the next two months, and it probably spells doom for his career at New England. Patriots weren't the only team making wide receiver moves. The Broncos dealt away Emmanuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers. And I think from the 49ers' perspective, this was a trade that they had to make, and getting someone of Sanders' ilk is definitely a bonus for their list. They had to give up a third and a fourth, and got a fifth rounder back, but it's not a huge price to pay for a pretty good receiver, someone that will definitely contribute this year, probably into next year. I think he's on a relatively cheap contract, I think. Actually, no, sorry, I'm thinking of Mohamed Sanu's contract. He's actually on the books for another $6 million next year. Sanders, I'm not too sure. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year, but regardless, could be a weapon that helps San Francisco put more points on the board. Defensively, they look great. Their rushing attack looks great. So now if they've got someone decent that Jimmy Garoppolo can pass to and a reliable pass catcher, could see them continue their unbeaten streak and maybe make something of their 2019 season. The fifth and final thing that I want to discuss, turning my attention back to the basketball, is Andre Drummond. He's been crapped on for years about a lot of his shortcomings, but Andre Drummond is starting to show everyone why he's deserving of a max contract. He played 41 minutes in Detroit's win against Indiana, and he is definitely going to be leaned on with Blake Griffin out for a couple of weeks, at least, but... Drummond put up some pretty impressive numbers that we've kind of become a little bit accustomed to, and these types of digits aren't really being put up by anyone else. Carl Anthony Towns, you could maybe say, he usually adds some more threes to his uh, box score, but Dre finished with 32 points, 23 rebounds, seven of which were offensive. 
couple of steals, four blocks. But what I found most impressive was he shot 12 of 18 from the field and 8 from 10 from the free throw line. Big men like Andre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan's another example that springs to mind. Uh, traditionally, not great free throw shooters, and we've seen Andre Drummond have his fair share of free throw woes throughout his career. But putting up 8 from 10, and if he can shoot anywhere near 80%, Drummond could be considered, and should probably be considered, an all-NBA talent. He is a pending free agent going into the summer, so there's a lot of people talking about these numbers being put up because he is in a contract year, but Drummond probably deserves more props than he's been getting. He's arguably the best old-school traditional centre, in quotation marks, and these good shooting numbers, hopefully, with a lot more boards and points, will make Detroit at least with Drummond on the court, something worth watching. They have been stuck in mediocrity for quite a few years now, and Blake Griffin probably wasted his arguably career year last year, but if he can get back healthy and Drummond's balling like this, Detroit may have something on their hands. And that is today's Fries Fast Five. Thanks once again for tuning in. I'll try and get one up on Sunday previewing week eight in the NFL. I'm sure by then there'll be plenty more basketball stuff to talk about. Probably not a hell of a lot of relevant AFL news, but if there is, I will cover it. Thank you for listening to this episode, though. Make sure you subscribe to the pod for more episodes. If you haven't yet, go on and listen to the Eastern Conference and Western Conference previews that JLo and I did. They are worth a listen. I highly recommend them. But otherwise, thank you for listening to this one. Till next time, peace. Peace.